Hello and welcome to a Gooners podcast. Two straight r- days in a row, boys. We're back. <laughs> a Gooners podcast. Back. The Gooners podcast because we are the Gooners. We're the only Gooners at this point. Everyone else is now Newcastle or Spurs fans, like uh, like uh, like like Andy is. Welcome to episode six point four three. <laughs> episode six point four three. It is an interval episode, and we've got eighty percent of the team here. Uh, Jared, it's good to see you back. You've been out saving the world and, and giving people money and and uh, and telling people that you know whose lives have been shattered that they're not going to get money. A little bit of all that, yeah. It's been an exciting yeah. last couple of months. Absolute dick. Hey, well, no, I mean, it, you know, at least he's making a lot of living. It, it has nothing to do with popsicles. I can totally see Jared like, hey, that's a really, really nice uh, living room. You're never going to get one again this night. <laughs> but here, take a look at the my studio, my podcasting yeah. studio. Which, hey, uh, hey. Uh, you, wasn't yeah. destroyed by anything. Hey, see that, that tree that fell in your car? That's really nice. You know what you're now going to go live in? A trailer park. Yeah. So, uh, look, I'm, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you still access the Gooners Pod podcast. So there is yeah, a little. I've got yeah, the cards like, made up. I hand them out every day. It's great. Jared's like, um, look, I'm, I'm so sorry that your granny lost her legs from the knees down, but what footwear was she wearing? Yeah, because <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. She don't need them, <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, let's get to the real pressing matters. Um, Owen, can we get an update on the cows? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're currently being packaged into burger patties to be stocked <laughs> in the local butchery. Yeah, so... Um, so tell, tell the background for anyone who, who I mean, I, I know that there aren't very many people that don't follow our our, our, our uh, Twitter feed, but mm-hmm. no. So basically, uh, yeah, yesterday uh, I was at work and, and my gardener has been sort of letting me down for the past week or so. So I put up for asking for recommendations on Facebook for a local uh, garden a gardening company that could come out and cut the grass. And then about 20 minutes later, I arrived home from a lunch and looked out my window and and these fucks were coming up the driveway, and the first thing that one of them done was to shit right in the middle of the driveway. Yes. And the worst thing was these the, fucks. Yeah, you know, I the, thought you were talking about the people that brought the cows. But no, no. So the no. cows, the cows have Craigslist or, or Twitter or whatever, and just they saw your text and and decided to come up themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should just look, keep this as our overlay, by the way. You can I'm still not. See yeah, I'm not a religious man at all. But if there was ever a sign. Um, but look, I, I tried to be nice. They, they, they were looking me in the eye through the window and stuff as if, you know, what the fuck are you going to do? So I had to, I had to close my gates because I was afraid of someone coming along and running into these guys and, and killing somebody. But eventually they got moved on. And then I found out that they're actually not cows, that they're castrated bulls. So God help them. I have a little more sympathy for the poor so guys who, after him. Sorry, who, who put them in your yard? They just escaped from a field. Oh. Because, mm-hmm. Mike, can you bring that picture back up again? Um, and I, I, I want to say this. So, like, obviously, Owen, you got that Mike Feinberg money now that you have a gardener. <laughs> but I want to know: is your gardener blind? Because grass, like, that's fucked. Like, if that's what if that's what your gardener was doing before, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's in the market for a new one. No, that's yeah, what okay. Owen was doing before. Now he now that he has the podcast money, he's stepping up to mm-hmm. getting a gardener. But this is this is the before picture. No, look, this garden. fuck has been leading me on for two weeks, so that's two weeks of growth. Um, and unfortunately, I have hair fever, so I can't do it myself because it would turn into like you know Rocky at the end of the first movie where he's all swollen and shit. Um, so I have to pay some other speaking scumbag of, to do it for me. Speaking of two weeks of growth, Andy, how's that beard coming in? 
It looks hey, You know what? Laugh all you want, my man. How often do you have to shave? Exactly. I don't know. I, well, I clearly don't bother. And, um, and, and it seems that you have figured out in the last two and a half years how to use Nair properly. Well, uh, since we certainly didn't know what to do in 2019. So I'm just glad you stopped the comb over on the top. I, I took I took measures, all right? I took measures. Um, brief, I, and I saw somebody mention it in the chat, brief uh, moment, before, because this is going to be kind of some ridiculous banter today, but but before we get into that, uh, I do just want to say a, a heartfelt, um, you know, message and, and sorrow for the passing of, of Gunnar Eagle Eye, Chris, a.k.a. Chig. Um, you know, we joked around a lot with Chig about Chig. Uh, he was a friend. Uh, mm-hmm. He was someone who, despite... Uh, having friendships with people who I don't, who we don't, uh, to say the least, to put it mildly. Um, he always impressed me with his ability to compartmentalize and, you know, have friendships and business relationships and, 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 and a life, you know, where everything didn't have to be mutually exclusive. And as recently as a week or two ago, you know, I was texting with him and, and he, and, and kind of, opening up to him a little bit about something that was bothering me. And he was a good friend in that situation. And while we weren't the closest in it, I mean, certainly Lee and Kenny and, um, and, and so many other people, Ola uh, are, are really suffering from the loss of a very, very close friend. Um, I just wanted to make sure that, uh, that we, that we said that uh, we will miss Chig. Uh, he was, a, he was a really, really good guy. Didn't hate anybody. Wouldn't hurt a fly. And, uh, and he's going to be missed. And, my greatest memory of him was was uh, in the Arsenal America road trip. You got a hundred Yanks or a fifty Yanks or whatever, all coming from overseas to to stand on the Emirates pitch before a game, and we had snuck in Ola and Chig here on the right hand side of the screen as honorary <laughs> Arsenal America people, and they were standing there like, "What the hell are we doing?" <laughs> but uh, but Chig just standing there proud on the Emirates where he loved, and and uh, and then we caught that game, had a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great game. We beat Leicester three-one. Great team goal in that one. Just a fun day overall. And unfortunately, that was the last time I saw him. But rest in peace. And um, and please go and check out on Twitter. Uh, follow Ola Black Scorpion three. There's a link to a GoFundMe uh, to help his family kind of give him a sending off that that warrants uh, the imprint that he had on people. And and the last thing I'm going to say, and I'll open up to anyone else who had uh, any comments, is that. Uh, you know, in honor of Chig, and, and, and this should have happened a long time ago, um, the guy, he just wouldn't go negative on people. I mean, he would go negative with his opinions about Arsenal, and that's fine. I've never had a problem with anyone who has a negative opinion or something I don't agree with. It's how you treat people, and Chig treated people the right way, and I'm going to treat people the right way. If someone doesn't – I'm no more petty bullshit. I've been guilty of that as, as anyone else, and I'm just going to – I'm really going to just ignore it from now on. Cause, uh, cause life's too short to, to have that kind of negativity around. So, uh, so thank you to Chig for kind of finally reinforcing me. I, that in me, I just wish it hadn't come in such a, a, a drastically unfortunate way. So rest in peace, buddy. Yeah, it's tough. I, I didn't have, I didn't have the chance to meet him in person, but I definitely was in groups that he was in for text messaging and he was just a funny guy, like always, always good spirits. So it's sad. Um, Hope his, his family find peace and closure, you know, quickly because uh, it's not easy. So, and thank you, Jason, for being here, um, and for Lee and Dan to send over the, some of their listeners. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as well. <clears throat> I I only had the and, and I say a pleasure, and and it was a pleasure of 
of meeting Chig before and as Mike said, just with some of the company that, that he kept before, I always maybe had a preconception that it was going to be a negative interaction and it was anything but that. And Chig possessed the quality that I absolutely most love in, in, in somebody, which is that just because somebody has a certain stance or viewpoint on one particular thing doesn't mean that that's their entire identity, you know what I mean? And 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 another thing he had was the ability to poke fun at himself and not take himself too seriously. And even though, I, I, as I said, I only had the pleasure of talking to the guy for an hour, an hour and a half, um, uh, it, it was a memory that I'll definitely have a fond one of. And, and I'm, I'm just sad that I never got to meet the game person. And uh, just reiterate what Mike says to, in terms of, uh, Ola and Kenny Ken and, and LG as well, just like the absolute devastation that that loss has caused onto them guys, especially so soon after the, the passing of Claude too. Um, yeah. It's it's just an absolute nightmare situation, so I hope those guys can can keep their chin up and, and plod on. And listen, like yeah, he had one bad egg as a friend but he also had Ken Ken, you know he had Ola, those are dear friends of ours and they're all great people so you know we all still hang out with uh mike hernandez every once in a while you know that doesn't you know he doesn't yeah i mean we, we give him the honor of our friendship and and uh even after all the terrible things that he's done and said so i mean it, you know look yeah. there's room and um and yeah so uh uh jared I, I i know you probably of all four of us came across him the least but uh you know, just for the sake of symmetry, is there anything you want to say on the topic? Yeah, no, you're right. I think of the four of us, I definitely knew him the least. You know, I, I'd never had any real interaction or a chance to talk to him, uh, but I had watched some podcasts that he's on a number of times and just, you know, overall, I think had a kind of a different viewpoint of the club than a lot of us, but but that's needed. That's what makes for good, fun conversations is having people that look at things a different way. So I, I know he was kind of a big piece of the Arsenal online community and you know, it, it's always sad to see someone go, but especially someone as young as he is, just in general, take all of our opinions about football or anything else out of it. You know, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. We'd see someone of his age kind of go so soon. So, you know, like you guys kind of already said, you know, your heart goes out to him and his family and all of his close friends because it's got to be a, you know, exceptionally difficult time right now. And, and you know, he, he was cropped out of the, the video I'm about to show, but he was on air with us. The last time he was on air with us, gave us one of the greatest moments in 300 plus episodes of this podcast, um, which has been put to music. That was the first time I nearly destroyed my computer with wine. Uh, the second time was was uh, during Ryan Fletcher's 24 hour podcast a few weeks ago. And I'm still using a temporary keyboard for that. Um, the third time will be in about 20 minutes because I am once again uh, mixing the two together. Peter Ampol, F1 specialist. I'm seeing some names in here that we, uh, you know, that were just in the Lee Judges uh, TV channel. Some people that we've seen on uh, on Tuesday nights on Arsenal Soup uh, on Lee Judges TV channel. I've been cheating on these guys a little bit, um, double double timing, uh, but uh, but it's been fun so far. So uh, if you if you came here from Lee Judges TV, please stay here. And check us out every other Tuesday night on uh, on Arsenal Soup as well. There's some fun shows. So, um, yeah, I asked Peter in the other show whether he was uh, a stripper, and it turns out it is just Formula One. So, so that's the that's the sad portion of the podcast. I hope not to have another one of those for a while. But uh, but uh, so now we've talked about Owen's yard. 
we've talked about Chig. Um, let's move on to to Jack Wilshire. Uh, is he is he the next great? Is he is he bringing us back to Europe? Is that is that what's happening here? Is this what I'm learning? I woke up this morning thinking, how happy must Tom Rosenhammer feel? Uh, <laughs> you know, because like we're getting ready to go over. No less than like three weeks ago, he's like, why can't we give him another chance? And here we are. Uh, no, I think it's fantastic. You know, obviously they've kind of hammered home the point that he is here purely for. Um, I'm Team LeClaren. <laughs> okay, just, just. Oh, all right. Um, I just hate Max Verstappen, so just making sure you're not Max Rowe to kick you up the group. Uh, <laughs> this is how yeah. we treat people who who stumble across our show for the first time. <laughs> oh, you can't. You we can't, give them we give them a, a, a litmus test and then we kick them out. Oh yeah, if you're Max Verstappen, get the fuck out. But you know, <laughs> Lando Norris and Danny, come on, they're those two are great. No, I think, you know, as far as Jack goes, I think it's great that he's returned and they've kind of hammered home the point that this is purely for him to get his fitness levels up, uh, you know, go ahead and, and start working on his badges and get some some uh, youth kind of coaching experience. I, I, I can't believe that an MLS team hasn't reached out for dude yet. I mean, like, especially like Inter-Miami. He's 29. Or, it's not like yeah, he's 34. Like he, I mean, I know he's got the injury situations and, and maybe he's just going to call time on his career. I don't know, but it's just weird to me. Maybe it's family reasons, but the MLS would be a great choice for dude. And he could probably go to a big market team, New York, LA and, and, and play some good football. There's just, a, there's one thing I, I absolutely adore Jack Wiltshire, like the majority of Arsenal fans and I'm, and, and I'm it's the nostalgia kicks in to see him back in the Arsenal training kit running around uh, London Colony Um and uh, and it brings back a lot of good memories. But what I will say is, and this only sprang to mind when I was having a conversation about this with my brother, who's a Liverpool fan, and he was saying that like you're hearing all these reports coming out that Wigan apparently offered him an opportunity and this and that. And the, the the only thing, and I'm maybe playing devil's advocate here as much as anything, but was he being picky about the amount of money that he was willing to accept to get back into a football team? Is that is that a possibility? Why, you know, maybe he is holding himself to to, to a higher esteem than, than the clubs are willing to pay him. I yeah, mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Like, it, He's probably got enough money in the bank that he doesn't need to work, right? I mean, you would think so, but that may be the case that he's just... I, I think it's always the case when you're a, a top talent player and you have a catastrophic injury or a history of injuries that kind of derail your career. I think it's tough in your own mind to kind of recalibrate the level that you're able to play at. So I think a lot of times when you see top players who get injured, they still, in their mind, think that that's the type of player they are. So it's it's probably tough when teams of you know the level he thinks he is aren't really interested in bringing him in right now. As far as him coming into Arsenal, I, I don't have a I don't want him to play for Arsenal this year. Let me get that out there right up front. Does, any, but, does anyone show of hands? Does anyone want to see him on the pitch during any game? I'd take him. No I'd take him. Well, I mean, here, here's one. Thing, want right? I didn't mean to interrupt your, your point, Jared. I just wanted but, to quickly see if. No, like, I think I think it's a good question that it's, it looks like we are a little bit split on. It's. Do I want to see him I've starting seen, over other people? No, but a backup, maybe let, uh, allow him to get his fitness up in some of these matches. Yeah, performance. Absolutely. I, I think that was the exact thing that I was going to even throw over to you there, Jared, just to, so you can crack on your point is that. When you look at maybe the Afcon coming up and losing Thomas Partey, Mohamed Al Nani, 
will be gone as well. Granite Jackery, uh, Jackery, that, that's a new name. Granite Jacka. <laughs> um, yeah, I like with, that guy. I don't like the other guy. With his long-term injury, Ainsley Maitland-Niles probably isn't just up to standard. Is there an opportunity here for maybe over the period of, let's say, until January, the Arsenal might be looking at him thinking, do you want to know what? If he proves his fitness, he could be a cheap option instead of having to go out and break the bank in January. Is it racist that I would prefer Benayun at this point to Jack Wilshere, I think? Just yes. Okay. Is that racist? I thought so. Is I just wanted to double check. Um, I, and the other thing I think about, too, is like... It's, it's Semitic. It's, it's not anti-Semitic. It's, it's Semitic. just Semitic. <laughs> you know, what, what, I appreciate, what I appreciate about Wilshere being back in this particular squad this season is we have so many young English players that can learn from him and the mistakes that he made, whether it was injuries dude like to party quite a bit i mean i granted a lot of those vegas photos his father was like next to him in the pool so you know it is what it is but that's gonna be jake's excuse <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that is that guy dead next to him yeah that's my dad don't worry about it um but no like ultimately i think he's gonna be a fairly good role model for them on and off the pitch and you know again i would take him in an arsenal shirt if it meant just rotation in the squad give someone 20 minutes of rest at the end of a game, you know he's a good player. If he stayed injury-free, he would still be playing for us every week. You know that. So, And he, can, know. And he, can, he can be the one that throws the guy up on the wall like happened to Lee Dixon 25 or 35 years ago to explain what a North London derby means. I mean, I think the team gets it at this point. But but it's funny because you're talking about him. Like, uh, like you look back to the old classic players, you know, like Vinnie Jones at Wimbledon as the enforcer or, or like Roy Keane at Man United. And now we're sure, looking at looking an enforcer to be a five-foot-three guy with half-broken legs. It's like that would be the <laughs> Wave, wave his crutches at you in his walker and be like, look, you son of a bitch. I think DWTT, he writes, do you trust Arteta's arsenal to manage Jack's health? Aren't the player management, aren't his player management skills in, in question? I don't know that Arteta has much say in, in when people play and when they don't. From a health perspective, that's probably the medical team coming to him saying, F, you know, party is ready to go party only need, can only have 70 minutes. Like there's a certain level that Arteta has to listen to the medical staff. So, you know, let's clear that up. I don't think that's all on him, you know, per se. Well, it's funny actually, because something me and you have been banging on about Andy is that, that the Ben Foster podcast, the Fozcast, and it's, it's, it's absolutely cracking podcast, so especially getting a look behind the scenes. And, and they actually say that that is the manager's decision, that the medical team's job is simply to give percentages, you know, that there's a 70% chance that he can play for 90 minutes unscathed or there's an 80% chance he can play for 45 minutes unscathed. So I think that it probably would fall down to Jack Wilshere. But, like, we hear a lot of this, you know, like, pay-as-you-play contracts. And I stuck this in sort of half serious as half as a joke that uh, which is always my way of getting out of stuff if i'm gonna look stupid but how does that look so say for example my the, the example i gave was five grand per week to be uh a, a coach slash train with us but pay him to do that to be this mentor and then on the weeks that he plays he gets 50 grand is that something like is that a realistic deal is that is that viable for arsenal to do is it viable for jack wilshire is it is it a realistic package that the club could offer something like that? I mean, I'm sure you could do a mixed deal like that, but 50 grand a week for Jack Wilshire right now is insane. 
I mean, yeah, I no, no, no. But what I'm saying plays, is, I'd so maybe off from ten if he played. Well, yes. I mean, it has to be beneficial for the player as well. So I'm not sure ten grand is. Well, well, I mean, he's he doesn't have a lot of teams knocking down his door to man, come play I, football right now. Man, he spends that on on cigarettes every. I day. pay my gardener more than ten grand a week. It's <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't show up. You might want to reconsider that decision. <laughs> I mean, I just did a quick Google search, and you're seeing Jet Wilshire's uh, net worth anywhere from twenty million to fifty million pounds. So I, I don't know that the you know I think for him, the, I think he would take an offer for pay to play from Arsenal specifically because he loves mm-hmm. the club and he is here it sounds like for his coaching badges so i don't know that you would necessarily say like hey jack you're playing this week you get 50 grand but hey you finish 20 minutes you get 20 grand you you play a whole match you get 50 grand and it's you score a goal you get this you assist you get this and i think that's a probably a more realistic target but it's just great you know a couple of weeks ago we saw that ornstein article and a lot of people felt really bad for him and he seemed like he was in a bad place and a lot of people were kicking at Arsenal's door to step up and say, hey, we basically raised this kid, and now he's back. And as much as you may dislike Arteta, I probably feel like he had a huge hand in that because from the interview today and just their relationship on the pitch, he was probably the one who said, let's let's see if we can do something. So it's great to see him back. I'm excited for him. It's where, it, like, and again, I criticized Arteta a minute ago about I'm not sure whether he's the best man manager, but just to contradict my own point, it's like <clears throat> I mentioned when this sort of thing first broke about, or sorry, the Ornstein interview first broke, and I was suggesting, you know, that I wouldn't mind Arsenal making a bad decision for the right reasons for once because we make stupid decisions all the time for the wrong reasons. Um, and, and for me, this is reminiscent a bit of, of, of that moment of uh, Rocky Roadcastle. Um, you, you know, when he came back, I think they were, they were trying to get him in in some sort of coaching role or something like that, and Arsene Banger rejected it. So it's good to see that the club are holding some sort of sentiment. You don't, you don't mean Rocky Roadcastle. Who are you talking about? Rocky Roadcastle. And he didn't come back to no exactly it, no exactly when it, when it, when he came back from where did he go after he left he went abroad to play he went to Malaysia or something like Malaysia that. when he came back from but, Malaysia but he got sick there I thought, yeah right? yeah but when he came back there was talk about him coming back but apparently thing look it up it comes from Ian Wright that's it's yeah. it's in the uh, yeah. Rocky and Wrighty documentary if, that, if that's true Arsene Wenger can go fuck himself yeah <laughs> nobody mm. messes with Rocky. Yeah, but it's good to it's good to see that the club are they're talking about culture and 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 you know the family atmosphere around the club. It's act it's actually nice to see them starting to 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 act on those words and not just spewing them down a microphone at a press conference. At Dublin, my search did say 2021, but again, there's a huge range on there. Either way, I don't think the guy's hard up for money. Um, I think the guy is probably mentally needs to be around the football team needs to be around this culture and um he's got it right and so now it's his to lose because if he does well and he and he shows that he can be that that locker room kind of guy he'll more than likely get an opportunity to to work with per murder soccer and our youth and that might be his next calling right because the guy can't string five matches together you know which is a shame because he had nothing but like the upward trajectory that most football players want. It, it's sad, but I really don't think I really don't think he's here to play. Uh, and yeah. and 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 in that regard, I think nothing wrong with the situation. I 
I do know that the uh, the missing twenty percent of this of this podcast ownership structure, the consortium, uh, the Gunners Podcast Consortium, uh, feels quite differently about it. And we we said, look, man, look, Mikey, you're not coming on the podcast tonight because you may not, because Tom Rosenhammer will 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 go on a Twitter rant against you if you say anything negative about Jack Wilshire. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the negative would be to having him around the club. To, if we're going to put him in front of a, a, an available and healthy Elneny, if we're going to put him in front of a healthy and available Mainsley, uh, those aren't the most polished players, you know, best at that position. But I think that they might bring more to the table than than Jack is probably uh, available to now. So, um, you know, that's my uh, that's that, that's my my two cents, my tuppence on on uh, on Jack. So. You wouldn't mind seeing him seeing him actually on the pitch, like if, if it came to it. Again, I don't want to see him start against Manchester City, or but if there's 20 minutes left in the League Cup, or if we're two nil up away at Palace with 15 minutes left, and it means, hey, next week we have Spurs, we're pulling a central midfielder for rest. Yeah, I have no problem with that. But it has to be in the right setting and the circumstances. But, but do 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 you not think, Andy, that that is maybe like and with respect actually i don't even respect him on your boss um no but like do you not think it's a bit presumptuous to say to say it like oh only against this side no with, no no. With, I just with, with the similar to minutes like for me it's if he comes back and he stays fit and he performs well in training we no, 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 I, meant, I meant for him to, to 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 work his way back in to your yeah. point he came back and fucking crushed it never had an injury again <laughs> and there's five seasons where he turns into a fucking world beater then mm-hmm. yeah we would be stupid not to sign that up but i meant like if in the next like month or two there was a, a reason to put him in the squad that would be how i would see it that's how i would be happy with it if he comes back and crushes it well yeah it's a no-brainer he can play against whoever he wants i just don't see that happening there is one person I think in the Arsenal setup who Jack Wilshire could be an incredible mentor for right now, and we haven't okay, even mentioned him so far. <laughs> Charlie Patino. Um, I mean, is Charlie Patino not a? I mean, a burgeoning Jack Wilshire from twenty years ago. I think there's one twenty years ago. I think there's one closer to the threshold, Mike, and I think it's a Mail Smith Rowe is the player that I think could benefit from Martin Odegaard and a Mail Smith Rowe are the two for me that would. But I think that he could work in close proximity with, and um, because he's sort of he's like a blend between those two players. I think if you you know, I think Smith Rowe's already kind of almost exceeded Wilshire on I, not not on the upside potential that Wilshire had when when he was at his height of potential, but from a professionalism standpoint, I'm sorry, and, uh, no, I'm going to pull this up because. Dan Roberts, and I love you, but I hate you now. So, see, that's where I was going with that. I didn't even yeah. see it. I don't know about that, but I, but I think yeah. he's got he's got the the control. Like Wilshire had potential, but he didn't know how to protect himself. And I think Wilshire, he has Wilshire's performance against Barcelona was one of the best individual performances <laughs> I've ever seen from any Arsenal player. You know, I mean, yeah, so it was amazing against uh, 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 Northampton Town. In preseason, it was incredible. I, I think <laughs> that's actually really, really funny. Danny. I think comparing yeah. two, two players uh, like that is just absurd. I mean, at the end of the day, we talked about it yesterday. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but mm-hmm. it's great to have Jack back. And listen, it doesn't matter 
Owen if he plays five matches for us or 50, because if he plays his 51st match, that'll be for Newcastle because they're going to go in and they're just going to buy every player. Mm-hmm. And it's the league's over now. Okay. So we're going to go to Newcastle next. Okay. But, I was going to do Basuma, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Basuma. It's like, right. here's what I don't understand. Right. And, and Mike, I know you're going to go on like a 15 minute diatribe. So I just want to say this. Like I've already done one today. So I know, I but I know you're going to repeat it. And so I, I didn't listen to that first one because I'm like, he's going to do it again. But I just want to say this. Like so many people are coming out being like this ownership group could buy all of the other Premier League clubs in the world. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, if Jeff Bezos came in and bought fucking Portsmouth, they're not all of a sudden making it to the Champions League. Like, just r- relax. If, if he did that, though, you'd be going like this right now. Yeah, but there, there, there is contributing factors that make people fearful, which is that, number one, the, the financial fair play restrictions have been a joke <laughs> uh, at best. Uh, and now, at the minute, they're, they're eased due to the pandemic. See the way I said pandemic and not COVID because when you say COVID, it gets you demonetized. So don't say COVID. Um, <coughs> so you can't say COVID. Can you demonetize no. a non-monetized video? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the restrictions are eased at the minute. So they can come in now and basically throw a shit ton of money to get themselves up. And once they start maybe getting towards Europe within three seasons, is that unrealistic? I think it probably, probably took Man City... About about well, three City to four went, years. City went careful, man. I mean, Robinho was on the pitch with Stephen Ireland and and uh, yeah. you know but, all but those guys. Also, they, they didn't just go nuts all at once. But City <laughs> also got to kind of circumvent the financial fair play because they kind of came in early and they said, "Okay, well, we're going to do this sponsorship deal for the next hundred years for the training ground." Well, Newcastle can't do that, mm-hmm. so they're not going to have the the bankroll that Chelsea had, or excuse me, that City had. And I don't know the intricacies of it, but Chelsea kind of did the same thing. There were a lot of teams who saw the rules of where they were going and went, well, I'm going to kind of bend this in there real quick. Yeah, but I think that's all kind of been suspended right now. So so had they done this four years ago, I would agree with you. Yeah, now, but I, think, nice. I, I think the handbrakes are off of that. FFP at best is not being, is not being um, enforced. At worst, it just doesn't exist. I mean, that, that short-term you know what, cost though, control thing is a thing. I think, right. I, I, and I, I completely think, agree I, with you, but I, I will think, say this. Uh, see when you, what do you call it, um, look at Newcastle as well. There's rumors already that I think they're looking to cr- uh, increase the capacity of St. James's Park to 100,000, which is which is absolutely insane. But, Jared, jumping over to you, let's go into the morality of this situation. Would you sacrifice allegedly cutting off a child's hand for stealing an apple to get yourself a Premier League title. Is that something you would be into? No, and that's the real issue with Newcastle. It's not, to me, about the money they can spend because there's teams that can spend a ton of money now. Like Mike said, FFP is not really a thing. There's plenty of ways around it. Teams will find ways around it. It's more about what their ownership coming into the Premier League means and the standards that it sets or lack of standards that it sets. I mean, at this point, you're you're talking about Mohammed bin Salman, who's legitimately one of the worst people on earth. Like earth is a worse place because he exists. Who's been responsible for all sorts of human rights atrocities. Um, the way they treat women in their countries, obviously horrendous. He was a big part of, you know, kind of the blockade around Yemen that revo- resulted in the starvation of what 50,000 plus children. I mean, this is a disgusting human being. So targeted murder of critics like Demal Khashoggi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the list is a mile long of horrible things this person does. The the idea that the Premier League did any sort of investigating and okayed this move 
is insane. It's obviously just like, well, there's a ton of money coming in. We might as well just take it regardless of any sort of consideration for the moral component of it because you've kind of but set it's okay, a standard but it's okay, that you though, can't go back because, from. The Premier League has been satisfied that the public investment fund, which is which is technically the entity that that owns Newcastle now, isn't connected to the Saudi government. So it's okay. Oh, then we're but, all good. But but, but but I think okay. I think that, that, that's that, that's, that's shameful of the Premier League. That's who I would criticize. But but see, this is the, but this is the thing, Mike. Can the Premier League? Uh, can the Premier League come out and openly say that the reason that they're declining? Um, this takeover is because of the morality of the of the of the people who want to buy when they have people who whose morality slope, has been dragged into question for years. It, it's a slippery slope, which which you know. And again, where do you draw the line? Well, I think not, you not knowing line. where you draw the line doesn't mean murder. You, you can draw it pretty easily. And as someone wrote, like funding nine eleven and different you know war crimes. But ultimately, I you know I think as we've seen. With Real Madrid, Barcelona, like a lot of the Spanish teams and a lot of teams around the Europe, like FFP is a is a joke. We've always said it's a joke, and it's just it's just three letters. But I do think with this post-COVID world, a lot of teams, not necessarily now, but in the next two to three years, we're gonna see a lot more teams going into bankruptcy. And so there's has to be something from the governing body, or we're gonna lose a ton of teams. I mean, it's it's gonna happen. We know it's gonna happen. Um, well, and you're not, and you're not talking about the bankruptcy situation, like what could potentially be down the road with Barcelona with massive losses, because they're, because they're not state owned, they're not state funded, they just, they just spent money they didn't have yeah, for years te- and years. Teams, teams like Barcelona will, teams like Barcelona will, will ultimately though, Mike, they will always figure out a way to get out of Spanish it, right? banks. <laughs> yeah, Spanish banks. I've always said it. Tom Canton, I think you're listening. Spanish banks. <laughs> I've, I've said it since day one. Peter League, like, Spanish like, banks, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the, the Spanish banks will Obstacles. just help them get out of it. But it's like there's going to be a lot of teams struggling. Like we don't know Arsenal could be one of those. And so many people were giving the cronky shit a year ago for all those redundancies. And now you're seeing where other teams are going. You're like, well, maybe you should have done that too. Barcelona's in their own camp for paying just stupid money to people, right? But I, I do think that, uh, you know, I'm not – over, like everyone's like, oh, they're gonna get top six. Like they have a greater chance of getting relegated this season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're this so season, but after the, after that though, I mean, they will put together a team that will get into Europe, and more than likely in the next five years, they win a Premier League. I I I, I don't I don't dispute that. Uh, I think that that is the track that they're on. And and frankly, if you take it in a vacuum and just have an extremely rich owner with no cost controls, that's what should happen. It doesn't. Uh, the it question does, is, it, should it, that be the way football works? I mean, should it, there be, you know, and, and I asked think, this on, on Highbury Squad earlier, we've got a variety of different experiences with, with sports and, and, and with nationalities and stuff in this podcast. Um, so should there be, like, okay, I don't care how rich you are, but there's still some some barriers at to which for competitive purposes you have to stay within. Baseball here in the United States has never had a salary cap, but they did institute something to highly penalize people who spend more money than other clubs. The other sports have either a soft or a hard salary cap, which can, you know, it promotes parity, which isn't necessarily what you want in football necessarily. You want the teams that do better not to benefit. You don't want teams to benefit from sucking which is the mm-hmm. way that American sports often are top draft picks 
uh, getting the same share of, of, of TV revenues, whether you finish last in the league or first in the league. So you don't necessarily need to socialize it that much, but some sort of thing that says just because you have 20 times as much money as City and Liverpool and Chelsea do doesn't mean you can spend 20 times as much right. as they do. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's I mean, like, start to see something like that. That's why I use Bezos as an example. Isn't he the richest man in the world? Like he could come in and buy wow. a club. Officially the richest man in the world. I'm well, sure there's yeah, some yeah. guys I mean, he's a lot of oil. The emir of, uh, of Kuwait, of not Kuwait. But some, he's officially yeah, I mean, the richest man in the world who hasn't funded a war crime. That we know of. Not in the earth, though. Maybe in just space. Just makes grown adults piss themselves by looking for I mean, packages. And, and but... let's not forget, Bezos did bring us the penis spaceship. So, yeah. So I've probably put more money in Bezos' pocket in the last four weeks with all the, the – because I've had to order – New uh, new jeans, new shirts. Because I'm go- I'm going over to London. I can't be wearing. I've been wearing shorts and, and, and like Arsenal jerseys for the last. You year shop and on and Amazon. I haven't left my house. <laughs> like, like clothes so, shopping on Amazon. Oh hell yeah, man! So you, you can you can clothes shop on Amazon. Yeah, I'm lazy. Awesome. Hey, you can order all the different sizes. They all come in. The ones that don't fit, you put back in the box and you take it to. Uh, I to get my groceries on Amazon. Deliver. They leave them at my front door. I never have to leave. It's great. Yeah. These fucking weirdos. Yes. Uh, now now, now <laughs> you know why I'm in such great shape. Since we're talking about uh, purchases on Amazon, yesterday I ordered fish tank filters, and they arrived today. Was that, like, your, was that during the podcast yesterday? However. Uh, yeah, it was right after the pod yesterday. No. Right. However, it does suck that, and, and I think, you know, as long as we're talking about this on a serious note, it does suck that Amazon is an awful, awful employer. I mean, the reason that you got that shit yesterday is because somebody fucking – has calluses on the bottom of their feet from working, you know, 28 straight hours in a sweaty, I mean, like literally it's, it's sweatshop stuff here in the United States. So you're a liar, so, bro. You know, I've seen the adverts. Fun. They're all smiling and rotor skates and shit. And, and they are. No, uh, yeah, no, the, that's not how it works at Amazon. So like, you know, I, there, it is a slippery slope because I love to order stuff from Amazon and I do okay, turn so, the blind so eye. So while we're on this slippery slope, Half of our team is owned by the guy who has sweatshops in China that fund the Walmart fucking franchises because well he's a big Josh Gronke is America. also the heir of the Walmart family because his mom owns the whole goddamn thing. So well, like, and, he, and he starts and he started a like a, a television channel about killing defenseless animals and and uh, on game preserves in Africa or something like that. I mean the guys the guys a disgusting douchebag. Um, labor disputes at Walmart and overtime pay, and that is a far cry from the things we're talking about. The new yeah, exactly. That's what like, there, there's such a wide chasm yeah. there that right. it's just like almost uncomparable. Yeah, it it mm-hmm. is, but 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 the 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 pushback all often is, and we saw this pushback actually a lot in in the chat on Highbury Squad is that uh, you know you you act like one thing's okay and the other isn't, and and. The reason I keep using the slippery slope thing is because it, it isn't just a it's not a binary black and white situation. If it was, you would have this vetting process that like made it almost impossible to like the process to owning a football club would almost be like it used to be when you had when you ran for office and they had to make sure you would never smoke pot and you would never inhale and you would never do this or never done that. And like there's gotta be a, a, a place to draw the line and and because it is subjective it really just it's a quandary but mm-hmm. but the i mean mbs is, is is an entity of of himself and the things that he's done and you know i don't know if if putin literally purchased 
or a company that Putin was the chairman for, or King Jong Il, King Jong Il was the chairman of, of of a state-owned company, and they purchase a team, or the Taliban, or or the Boko Haram, as I tweeted earlier. If they purchased a team and poured a bunch of money into it, at what point are the supporters going to be like, this winning feels kind of dirty? Like, yeah. yeah where does, it, here's and, and even to bring it back. You could say about the same about a yeah. Like how much yeah. is he's not even allowed in England and or I don't think he's allowed back in Russia. So it's just like so we're, you know just, so, just flies around on a plane all the time. He's just on his billion dollar. He's over plane. here. He's over here. He's See he's loaded up those cows at Owen's yard. Yeah, um he's my gardener. Um what was I gonna say? But even to bring it back on to football, do you think that and this is something I stuck into I forget which WhatsApp group I was saying this. Do you think this, this could potentially impact KSE's stance on the ownership of Arsenal Football Club? Because I know what Andy's saying about like certain teams and money. It doesn't mean that they're going to... But with... like I, Mike, I sent you on Twitter um, <clears throat> a picture, if you can pull it up, um, uh, on the stream. What am I, uh, your producer now? Yes, exactly, bitch. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> the, it's like it, a 10-step it, process. But yes, the, the, okay. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But... Does this solidify a new top four with that financial power? You know, when you look at like Man United with their their um their global reach and the amount of revenue they take in with Man City's financial backing with Abramovich's backing of Chelsea, there's really no other teams now that can compete with those four, including Newcastle now. It's um, crazy that uh, United are kind of doing it the right way though. <laughs> like 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 it's annoying, but like but that's not... but that's always been the thing uh, of when you when you look at clubs like Arsenal or Liverpool or United as much as they hate United, when you see them win, it's 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 through genuine means. It isn't you know it, like when I see City or Chelsea win a title, it just looks cheap to me. There you go. There's the 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 diagram. So it says uh, so. Apparently, this is how rich Newcastle will be if they take over. Um, and it's just yeah, a high short. It, it... It, they need to replace Steve Bruce with uh, Antonio Conte, I think. But see, this is what I mean, Andy. And 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 here's this would be my counter to what you were saying about this. It takes time. What coach in world football now isn't going to want that job with the financial purse strings loosened of financial fair play and now with the financial backing of those owners? So now you're going to get a coach in with a lot of money to spend. All it takes is one or two big-name players to start to draw attention and other high-profile high players will want to make that move. You know, I think I, I, I think within a season or two seasons, you could see them transform from minimum a relegation candidate up until a top six team at least within two years. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't disagree with you, but I I think the way that they're going to do it because they have to be careful, right? They're not going to be out and go, all right, well Real Madrid last year offered 160 for Mbappe, we're going to come in for 300. They just they, he's they free. He's free at the end but, of the season. You know what I mean? They're not going to double. <laughs> They're not going to double that offer, right? I could see them coming in and buying six or seven Jesse Lingard-type players that make them better immediately and keep them in the hunt for Europe first two seasons, and then they go for it. But to your point, I do think this probably turns the head of a lot of Premier League owners who say, well, hold on a second. If Newcastle just got purchased for this much, how much could I make for mine outside of Chelsea, City, and United? every other owner is probably going to turn their heads and there will more than likely be some other Middle Eastern ownership groups who want to come in to 
be part of the part of the party because they all like to compete with one another. So it's going to be the, the, the Premier League is essentially going to be a dick measuring contest between oil tycoons. <laughs> basically, basically. And now here's a question because I, I honestly I don't know, and this is going to sound super naive and maybe a tad racist, but is this a not the part where you actually say yeah, maybe I shouldn't say this? Yeah. Is this a different group than that was su- like suggested? Like, hey, we want to buy Arsenal two months ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is this is this is the public investment fund of of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. This is and not, they, and we this were is not the Qatari guy on Twitter. Qatari. Okay. <laughs> so so ultimately, like, yeah, this is going to be a big pissing match from all the oil countries <laughs> that are like my Premier League team's better than yours, and it's going to be a portfolio game. It's going to be I have PSG. I have Arsenal. I own this. I own that, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a portfolio. Well, and whether whether it's countries that happen to be in the Middle East, or whether it was happening from the Far East, or or what we've already seen on a smaller scale within the United States, I just think it's bad for football. Uh, you know, it's bad for for teams like Crystal Palace and and like Arsenal now. But like you know, Arsenal are owned by a billionaire, and this you know this is Fergus's question is is. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Blackburn by Vankies, Blackpool by the, Oist, what is it, Oyston, uh, and QPR by um, the, the the F1 guy. Um, I'm sure Paul got Huddles. What is it? Ecclestein. Ecclestein. Um, They all have rich owners. So what's the difference in this situation? Because, you know, QPR clearly has the, had, the, had or has the ownership money and muscle to I, ha- to I compete, have the answer but, to that, Mike. They're, run, they're running it like a business. Well, no, no, no. It's also brand and history, right? And look at the stadiums, too. Like, the investment for Newcastle, like Owen said, like, they want to go to a 100,000-seater stadium. Whether that's true or not, they're already purchased. They've got the eighth biggest or the sixth yeah, biggest yeah. already. So they, they don't have to worry about that infrastructure. Maybe they clean it up and make it a little nicer. But ultimately, Newcastle have a brand. They have an image. They're, they're known globally. I mean the red and the the black and white stripes are known throughout world football. You oh, it was a great, it was an amazing to... purchase. Three hundred million pounds. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, that's like less than what Saka is worth. So when you say to you know if you're a billionaire owner and you come in and you buy Blackpool, most players aren't going to even know who that is. If you go to Kylian Mbappe and you say Newcastle, he knows who they are. He doesn't need a history lesson. He probably knows that Alan Shearer played for him. Like a lot of these bigger players are going to know exactly who that team is. Do they know all the intricacies? Probably not, but they know who they are, right? Whether it's from FIFA or whatever it is. So I just, I think it's. Just I don't know. I think I think you could you could say that if that if Ecclestone and and the, and his co-investors, who are also pretty rich, if I remember correctly, um, wanted to make QPR a former first division team. Uh, not one of the the crown jewels of of of, of UK football, but but certainly a, not a, a little person either. Located in London, um, in White City, as a matter of fact, which is a tad racist, um, as you said earlier. But the uh, you know they could have done that, yet they just decided not to. Cronky could have done that, yet he's decided not to. So do you, you know, do, I, do, you, do you not do you not think like and referring back to that graph, lads, that that. <clears throat> I know what you're talking about about rich owners, but when you talk about like, look at Man City there in comparison to the rest of the teams in the Premier League, even Chelsea, the, 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 how big of a deal was made out of how financially well off the, the, those investors were for Man City, and now look at the 23 billion 
or is the net worth to think of the owners of Man City? This is three hundred billion. Yeah, there's, you're talking there's about rich, the difference. You're talking about the difference owners, between fighting a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler. There's rich <laughs> owners who don't care about making money, and then there's rich owners who still want to make money. Ecclestone probably wants to make money, so he's having the payables reach, you know, match the receivables. And sure, he'd probably love to be back into the Premier League again but he's not going to sacrifice 100 million pounds a year to try to make that happen. Whereas the state-owned or pseudo-state-owned clubs of City and 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 now Newcastle and uh, PSG and, and, and whatnot, they don't care if they lose half a million, half a billion pounds in a year. It doesn't matter. It's the, the, the fact that they become a, a worldwide powerhouse that they get to trot around Kylian Mbappe in a black and white striped shirt for, for a few years, if that were to happen, that is worth a billion dollars to them. Whereas a Kroenke who might be worth $15 billion or whatever like that is, it, it, he doesn't look at it that way. That's why I think Newcastle and the statements of what the club is planning on doing can be looked at as an immediate threat, whereas and, and there's, there's saying a thing other that clubs have rich owners doesn't mean that they're you know that that it is. Yeah, it's about happen. a willingness of to to pump that money into the team versus look at it as a business acquisition that you're trying to grow and you know and profit over time. Right, ours are a portfolio they're, asset. They're not a they're not a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a an ego project or a, what, what what's it called a, a vanity project like like Chelsea is for Abramovich. But I think as well that we're we're overlooking probably the biggest factor, and I know, I know Andy touched on this, um, sort of lightly when it, when he was talking about it, which is that Newcastle are an absolute giant in terms of following and fan base. They're they are huge. You know, like look at Man City, the the empty had you know struggling buy one get one free tickets for Champions League games and everything, which is completely embarrassing. I can guarantee you a hundred percent. That's not going to happen at Newcastle. They they will pack that stadium every week, and this is only going to they make already them grow, do. Grow, This is going to make, only going to make them grow bigger. And I think that's in terms of if you're an investor and you're pumping money in, you can guarantee that the likelihood of Newcastle, uh, the worth of Newcastle plummeting after pumping more money in is isn't that likely. I think that its stock can only rise. So I think that they're going to be opening that purse and just throwing money at it, especially within the first few years. I think there's some funny bit. I mean, that the purchase price of the, of the team, which includes St. James's, uh, as far as I know, is 300 million pounds. I mean, we know what Premier League clubs are worth these days. We know what Arsenal's worth, obviously, uh, and and that's like a tenth of it. And 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 you're right. It isn't. It isn't like buying a quaint club like Crystal Palace and turning it into a juggernaut. Newcastle are a sleeping giant. Um, you know, they don't have this huge track record of winning and winning and winning, and, and they've just been off the last couple of years, but they have an incredible following, an almost exclusive uh, run on, on the Northeast. I mean, Sunderland is, is an afterthought at this point. Uh, so Newcastle's got, I mean, it is like getting a distressed property in a really like exclusive area that isn't that distressed, but you, and you got it at a great price. That, that, that franchise Sorry, that club <laughs> is going to be worth a billion dollars pretty soon, legitimately, just because of the, the support and the commercial revenues, which I hope are relatively legitimate, that they end up getting. But uh, 
you know, D David uh, Ziegler in the chat says the sovereign wealth funds, which is essentially who has purchased Newcastle, aren't trying to make money. They're laundering money. They're, they're buying assets to park their money while they move off oil economies. The Saudi government has known for years that they are too reliant on oil money for their position in the world. It's their bargaining chip. It's how they keep the U.S. and the U.K. and other companies to unfortunately deal with them, even though they're awful. Um, and they don't want to be so reliant on oil. So they've the public investment fund has $500 billion in getting out of that, getting to entertainment, buying their way into the public eye in, in sports, in in movies, in entertainment, in other areas, other companies around the world. And um, but and, and whether they're laundering money or whether they're just, you know, trying to improve their image, you can't do that without starting at home. And they haven't changed a damn thing that I'm aware of uh, at home as far as human rights violations, targeted killing of critics, uh, you know, and funding terrorism. Well, it's a completely like, authoritarian situation where they can do whatever they want. Why would they yeah. want to change that? But well, do you think that the new the Newcastle fan gives a fuck about this? Like no. we we're talking about this. Do you it's think awesome. after the reign, fourteen years of terrible ownership through Mike Ashley, which we can relate to, um, do you think that they give a fuck about any of that? I also think that you know, ultimately, going back to the FFP conversation before whatever they want to do they'll just buy off who they need to to make sure that that like city they should have been kicked out of the champions league but a few paychecks go you know a few bank transfers offshore it, it, it all changes you know mike i hate to do this flex but i'd love to get thomas on our pod to have a conversation about this i don't know that he would but you know a lot of people know i i know the guy who owns charlton he is a friend of mine we were texting about this this morning and I'd love to hear what someone who just bought a, a, a football club who wants to build that club into a Premier League team thinks. Because now, like, if you're in ownership, like, so Kroenke, for example, five years ago was in a great spot with Arsenal because we were in European football on the regular. And he was using Arsenal as an asset to build that stadium out in L.A. Now that that's built, his worth has almost doubled because of it. I don't know that Arsenal is high on his list anymore. It might be higher on Josh's, right? But I do think, and I'm going to stand by this, we are now going to be in a game of these states, these Asian countries coming in, Middle Eastern countries coming in and buying up clubs for portfolio reasons, whether it's the longer money or not. And eventually, it, we're, like everyone, everyone scoffed at the Super League. Well, we now have it in the Premier League. Well, no, but you're now going to have it amongst six teams. It, right. it, it's literally going to be, you know. There, there isn't the whole you can't be relegated thing, but you're not going to get relegated if you're one of those six teams. All right. So, and, and, you know, and everyone kept saying, like, a couple of people texted me today and they joked, and they're like, well, Arsenal's never going to make Europe again. It's like, if I look at the Premier League, if I thought, think one team should be the angriest over this, it's Liverpool. Because – yeah. City, Chelsea are always going to be bankrolled. United are going to be bankrolled purely off of their name. But Liverpool, don't that group is not going to invest the billions that the other three will, and they're the one that's going to be leapfrogged. Well, Liverpool and Arsenal are in the same position. It's just that Liverpool's always done what right, what we've done wrong. But 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 we're both susceptible to to just not not competing with 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 doping, financial doping. I mean, let's just call it what it is. 
it's not I, I'm not I'm not claiming it's illegal because the rules have adapted to what they need to do. Um, and they paid people off to make sure that that's the case. But but that is Fergus on the pod again soon. He hasn't been on for a while. Well, he's he's been, been, on, been, on, he's been, he's been on more than he's been on more than you in the house. <laughs> I've been on like six times in the. I was on yesterday. I was on the. I've been on like every pod this year. This. Season we should put one. you on a paper appearance model like Jack Wilshire was. Uh, <laughs> no, I just got my big contract up front, and now I'm like, I'm on the Ozil. <laughs> I did all my legwork on the front end, and now I've got a back injury. How much do I have to pay you to, to, to leave and go to another part? No, Actually, Mike pays me to not be on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how does this then in turn – affect Arsenal does that completely impact our immediate future we haven't been in the running for Europe for four or five seasons now I mean come on it, it's we're no, but you're saying you know but you're but saying you're, you you're, you're trying what, what yeah you're saying you're a family as in as in the Champions League even the Europa League spots are now going to be highly contested for well it, you don't it, know it that Newcastle is going to take off I mean Arsenal yeah. over the last 10 years has spent an exorbitant amount of money on transfers and we haven't gotten really much Everton. better Everton yeah. too. I mean, it doesn't guarantee you a place up there. I mean, they're certainly going to have a better chance at it because they're going to have more money to throw in. But there's a slightly different a level lot. because because they're going to be able to make multiple eighty to one hundred million pound purchases, whereas Everton and Arsenal have spent a lot of forty millions. And That's Newcastle, true. Newcastle, what, what what Newcastle are going to do too is they will set a standard of discipline unlike any others in the Premier League, where. Um, Steve Bruce is going to get publicly decapitated in the middle of the football pitch, <laughs> and then it will happen to every other manager that fails. So there'll be a, a high standard. No, but as far as what Mike said, you know, the 80, I mean, 90 million dollar players, do you think those guys will want to go to Newcastle? I think I mean, for the wages, they have will to be the first one. I mean, the, the agent obviously will try and push the, it, the, but the, the player, the, do you think the they're going to want to be the, the first to make that jump? The big things that could save this as well is that our player sponsors like 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 nike or umbro or whoever umbro what is it fucking 2001 you know but are these sponsors are these sponsors going to pull sponsorship from individual players if they associate with this group is that something that you could see happening or well a that would be a bit hypocritical because most of those companies are (laughs) are are as evil in their at their core as as some of these state ownership groups but um, nike never Maybe uh, I, I think push to have the United States buy Arsenal since since nation states can own teams. Maybe the U.S. should just buy Arsenal. Yeah, we get... if we have to have an American owner, just make it the United States. And we'll dump <laughs> it. Boys are, you boys are the most corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that players will be, um, you know, players will want to play in the Premier League. They're going to get paid well to go to Newcastle. It's not a small town, as you said, Owen. The fan base there are rabid. I, I do think they're going to end up getting some fair players. I, I, I do believe Brady's banana, um, Harry Kane working on his Geordie accent, while it's a funny joke, there has to be one player that, you know, starts this domino effect. It was Rubinho. Could be it was Rubinho. Rubinho started it with Man City, and then and then Tevez came in, and Jekyll came in, and Aguero. Yeah. And, but, like, you know, someone – Rubinho went there for money. And and then all of a sudden it was like, but they're starting to win, so I'll go there and I want to be part of this project. And it starts gathering speed. That's why you know they're not going to have a, tra- a January transfer window, then go undefeated in the second half of the season no. and, and and get fourth place. No, but next season 
and the season after are the ones to watch. Because and, you know, there there has to be a domino. There will be one or two. It'll you know, Rubinho ultimately was the catalyst for City to change. He was also really shitty for City as well, right? So it takes it takes enough. a while. Like you know, I saw like where I don't know where I saw it, but it was really funny how like it said. But there was this meme about how Messi and Ronaldo were going to be replaced by Bale, Griezmann, yeah. and else. And it's like, yeah, and they're they're outliving them. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, you know, Mbappe might be great, but he might not be great in the Premier League, right? I mean, it, it's really hard to play in this league, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, all right, well, I think we've we've uh, we've squeezed all the all the all the lemon juice out of the uh, the Newcastle news. Uh, no one needs to panic now, but it is, it, it's just the game is changing and it just takes a little bit of the, the fun out of it for me. But by the same token, it's kind of like I've gotten with Manchester City. I don't mind seeing them win anymore because I know that we're not going to, and I'd rather them win in this like neutered way than see Liverpool do it. Like when Liverpool won the title, that killed me because, you know, they hadn't really? won since 1990. Really? When, they hadn't won since 1990, and I would did not want that to end. But you would um, rather a cash injection machine at this point a Premier League title than than. Look, look I I understand the whole respect. Yeah, from from a competitive standpoint, if Arsenal can't win it, I would much rather City win it than uh, than Liverpool, uh, Spurs, United, any of those other clubs. Um, you know, look, I was thrilled when Leicester won it, and this narrative that we should have won it that year. We did everything that we could have done to stop Leicester from winning. They just didn't lose any other games other than the two to us. But like, you know, that, that was great. And I'm jealous of that and all. And, and, and it would be great to see another team specifically us do that. But it, it bothers me less when they win than when a team that we have like a, a true rivalry or a history with wins. And, um, and, you know, that's why I, I was kind of rooting for Chelsea and the, well, the champions league thing was different. I didn't want I didn't want uh, Man City to get that Champions League. I still want them to fall short of that. I'm just as miserable. I'm as miserable as you are, Owen. I root against things more than I root for things. I guess. Who said I'm miserable? You. <laughs> Every uh, chance that you get. Your yeah, your Potter shirt's getting a lot of play, praise in the chat yard. Um, <laughs> no, look. All I'm saying is, you'd be surprised at how quickly it can turn around, especially in the Premier League, where the margins, like. Put it like this, the, the Premier League at the minute isn't like the Premier League was in 2007 or 2008 where it was four teams. The depth and, and the ability to retain high-quality players from the teams lower down, and we've even seen players stay with those, those, those sides through relegation. Jack Grealish did it with Aston Villa, for example. And I think now that the quality and depth is, is outstanding in the Premier League. So it may take less for Newcastle to propel up that Premier League, not to the top, but in contention for those European places a, a, a lot faster than we maybe think. Yeah. The, the, I, I'm, I, I am somewhat fascinated by the, uh, uh, the, the Man City thing because they, they didn't – do you remember the other player that they bought the same year that they bought Rubinho? Remember Joe? Oh, Joe, oh, yeah. J-O. So, yeah, yeah their, their big splash that first year that they had that ownership was Rubinho, Joe, Nigel De Jong, Craig Bellamy, and Wayne Bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, the next season, then they add in um, Tevez, Adebayor, Lescott, Santa Cruz, Colo Torre, and Patrick Vieira, actually. 
the following season, then they go is, is when Jeco, uh, Yaya Torre, Balotelli, David Silva come in. Then they go for Sergio Aguero, Samir Nasri, Savage, Clichy, um, those those guys. Uh, and Frank then, Lampard. Remember that Frank Lampard. Yeah. Then, then it's Javi Garcia, uh, Nasachik, uh, Rodwell, Mykon, Sinclair. And by that point, that's when fair, financial fair play starts. And they're already at the level where they were able to pretty much – I mean, they never – Manchester City's never sold a player for that much, but they also never – they never spent not a hundred million pounds on a player either. No, uh, you know what they did, Mike, and they did it from us quite. Not even De Bruyne. They they um a lot of they purchased, pound players. They purchased a lot of players that were further along in their career, still had enough gas left in the tank, but also had a ton of Premier League experience. And Kevin De Bruyne was one of those. I mean, he was a lot younger, but he had the Premier League experience. Um, and so they, their model wasn't to come in and you know buy these hundred million pound players, but that also they created the model. They were the, the, the father of it, right? Chelsea did it a little bit, but they were the ones who really came in and built these super teams uh, in the Premier League. So I would say Chelsea started it. Chelsea well, I really think, did it. And then Manchester City, Manchester City, for all the, the criticism, they did it in a much more measured way than Chelsea. Oh did. yeah. It was Chelsea a measured way. Throw money at people. But yeah, it was, Yeah. <laughs> Whose baby? Who's goddamn? Oh, I think we know now whose baby's in the hizzle. I'm looking. I'm, I'm trying to look this up. Um, Man City's annual defense spending now exceeds that of 52. Let me see. I have to accept these cookies. 52 Sorry, actual. Maybe. 52 actual countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, like, that's like, the thing. They, they, they're not afraid to throw 30 to 50 million quid on a defender. Now almost sixty, like with Ruben Diaz and all that, sixty plus million on a on a defender. So, um, and and you know, for all their attacking prowess and 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 how beautiful of a of football they play and all their attacking players, they really they reinforce their defense and they struck out a lot. I mean, Eloquim Mangala and and uh, and a couple of the other signings that they made, Nathan Ake. I mean, those guys haven't panned out. But anyway, yeah, Grealish Grealish is the change there. Where now they're spending a million, hundred million pounds on players, but that's because that's where the game is at this point. It is commercial too to make them more likable as well. But look, I think on, on tonight's show already, what have we covered? We've covered like Farmville with the cows out my front garden and, and landscaping. We've covered uh, we've covered finances, human rights issues, uh, the innocence files. Do we want to move on to the innocence files? Is this uh, is, does this have to do with Eve Basuma? I don't know what the innocence files is. Jared, did he? I'm not even going to go into that. Would you, you sign? As, are are you no longer interested in Basuma as a midfield? I mean, like, 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 what is what is the story there? He was he was he's arrested for assaulting a woman in a nightclub. Is that basically where it is? I right heard now? I heard alleged sexual assault, but I know no details about it. No confirmation. I don't even and know that there's that really any confirmation that it is Basuma. I think it's kind of the assumed. Well, they, they, they do know that he shot someone with like an air rifle in the eye. Um, well, that was and, years ago, though. Well, but still, you know. <laughs> he re- that he makes him a cunt for the rest of his life. Wait, didn't That's somebody the... else just do that? Didn't Edson Odoard from Crystal Palace? No, that was, yeah, that was Odoard that did that. that yeah, was it settled like a $20,000 settlement. Andy's getting his, Andy's getting his, uh, his scandals this, mixed up. This is a tad racist. I, <laughs> yeah. Guys, we're canceled. <laughs> Yeah, should we just end it now? 
Um, I, I do think it was uh, Miami John who wrote. That's just how you get your uh, your transfer to city. Um, do you remember? Do you remember the Vinnie Jones um, movie in uh, the early two thousands, Mean Machine, uh, with Jason Statham? It's where he was sent. Oh to yeah, sent to prison. I think the Americans did a, a version with Adam Sandler called The Longest Yard or something, where he gets convicted and goes in. Apparently, they're making a remake of that with Eve Spasuma and, and Benjamin Mandy. Um, well, I don't want to make light of sexual assault, and there seems to be a lot of those situations going around. The oh, no, that's awful. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. That's awful. Well, you are, but I'm not, um, <laughs> just for the record. But the, um, yeah, the, the, it, it is seemingly uh, on the uptick uh, in the Premier League, and that's not good right now. But I mean, it, it if well, I, this is just a stupid question. If that was, if, if Basuma did do that, would you would you take him at Arsenal? I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of question you ask on a podcast when you're just really trying to just <laughs> ask questions on a podcast. So would you? <laughs> uh, I think Mike, the answer is no. All right, so uh, so it's a good thing that we held on to Jacques. Well, then. I don't know. Is it during Afcon we could bring him in? Yeah, well, <laughs> if he's not playing. There. If uh, as long as La Conga doesn't go and play there uh, for Belgium or or anywhere else, then we can. So um, let's talk. Let, let's finish off with the with the with the biggest piece of news. I'm coming home. I'm on my way. I'm on my way to see Owen. I'm on my way to see Andy's dad and I, his family. Okay, Owen. It's a bit. I'm I'm putting two and two together now. You clearly bought the cows. Because you think Mike's going to eat so much food that you're going to have to keep him fed. Man, and the, first, obviously- the first thing I'll say to stop you in your tracks there is you've obviously never flown with Ryan Air because they barely <laughs> let you take a wallet on, let alone two fucking cows. His, his plane ticket is 12 quid, but, the, but, but bringing the cow cost him about 2.5 billion Pounds. He yeah. could have bought Newcastle, but he has to buy cows. Said he's bringing me a cow. So, look, I I can't be arsed with uh, with going out and getting kebabs and stuff from my from my flat because you know I don't want to leave Highbury. I'll be I'll be I'll be, I'll be living in Highbury for twenty four days. Let me just get that out, um, Andy, because uh, I'm a trout. Um, and uh, and you know you you, you want to soak in the atmosphere. You don't want to go out to eat. So yeah, there will be a cow. Hey, and, and let me just say for the guys, because and I know Mikey will go back and listen to this, but if you think I'm bad disappearing from podcasts, when Mike gets back from that trip, dude will ghost us for about a month because he'll just be like, I got so many emails I need to ca- catch up on. I'm so stressed because he'll do nothing while he's there. See, in seriousness, Andy, right? as somebody who is experienced in this, what is your your advice for being Mike's handler for, for three days? I told you that the only You're gonna be my handler? Mike is oh, no. Mike, talk about the blind leading the blind. I've I've had the pleasure of hanging out with Mike a, a handful of times and he's always a lot of fun. However, I told you a couple weeks ago, do not be in the flat when he makes breakfast. Go for a walk. Take a shower. Just do not be anywhere close to him because he turns into an animal. <laughs> I usually don't eat breakfast. It's just that you, you know, you live in a household that doesn't allow uh, alcohol consumption. So I actually woke up early that day and made breakfast. And uh, it's not my fault. You you have a shit salt salt and pepper shaker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know um, a packet of bacon? You know, you get your packets of bacon, right? It says this one is serving. Dude, this is what dude serving. did. This is what dude did. He had a pair of kitchen scissors next to him and the packet of bacon. I got to get the picture cut, of those eggs. He just could have cut around and opened the. No, he cut a little hole and then he just dug out the bacon. Like he was like pulling <laughs> bacon out of a hole the size of like a pound <laughs> coin. And he's literally just it's more reward. It it's more rewarding when you do it that way. <laughs> it's like what he turns into an animal. See, there should not be another grown person in the country it. that gets bacon and he takes it out that way. Yeah, there's no just, way. And you know what I think it is, Jared? I think it's because he knows he is of guilt to the Jewish community that he's eating bacon. <laughs> <to the dinner. laughs> right? So it's like his... so. But I'm still finding pieces of Himalayan salt in my kitchen from two summers ago. Yeah, this is this this is what I can't wait for because in my mind, you know the way you've got like things in your mind, what you're gonna look like, and then it's obviously completely different. On on the Sunday, um, myself and Mike have planned to do something, and this is what we're gonna look like in my head. I hope that's come through there. It's um, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, Green Street, yeah, where, where the Yank and, and I, I'm obviously the the good looking. Um, hard not. Um, Are you gonna have the horrible accent? No, that's Mike. Yeah. That's Mike. No, yeah, and, but... and, and we are. It'll be Owen, myself, and Tom Rosenhammer at the Olympic Stadium watching West Ham versus Spurs. And my West Ham friend, for, uh, who whose son used to play football with uh, or soccer with my son. Um, he's English. He's he just went and bought a ticket and a plane ticket, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll come over for the weekend." So. So we're going to be hanging out with a proper hammer. We'll be rooting for West Ham that weekend. Um, and uh, and then, like, Owen's supposed to get himself somehow to the airport after that to fly home that night, which should be fascinating. <laughs> the stories, the stories and the and the videos, which I'll be uploading to the pot, to the to the channel from this trip are going to be epic. I, I it, it's just it's been a year and a half since I had to flee home in the middle of one of these trips. And I'm just picking up where 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 Rick and I left off last time. Also, Owen, be... another piece of advice: if when Mike turns to you and says, "Should we do this live on camera?" <laughs> no, every time, okay, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's when the prison system says, "Well, exhibit A, <laughs> video." <laughs> it's, it's fine for me. I track to get. It's Eva's fine for me because I, I'm in my home country and my I, I'll be fine, but. <laughs> You know, he has to deal with a foreign um, judicial system, so so Mike can fend for himself. It's every man for themselves. That's all right. I know Miami. I know I know Miami Chicago John, and he'll get me out of any trouble that I get into. Uh, as as a barrister, as a barrister, <laughs> I know that he'll uh, he'll take good care of me. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to be fun though. Four games, four Arsenal games, uh, Sutton game, a West Ham game, a meet and greet on Saturday. On meet and greet on Saturday. Watford, Liverpool. I'm going to England, Hungary. I'm going to um, pubs. I'm going to. It's so it's, when are you? So you're there for three weeks. I'm there for 24 days. And and your family's doing what during this time? Celebrating, eating bread, Fucking makes taking every inch of their financial welfare and and taking it away to London with them to pour down my neck. This is, oh, and this is Saturday morning for us, by the way. My fried eggs look like a, like I just rolled a five on a dice. On a dice? Is it a die? A 
dice. Oh, baby. You've got the best eggs, Andy. The worst cook. What the, fuck fuck are, what the fuck are you doing? Are you the first time ever cooking an egg. That's Andy's kitchen right there. Look how nice the, the, the quartz countertops are. And the... I had to get the whole kitchen replaced after he left. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get a kitchen replacement. Um, that, that's what I'm saying. He cooks like an animal. And then also, I'm fairly certain. That it's he hard to cook them. eggs when you're holding the phone. <laughs> I'm also certain that he flipped those eggs and then went, oh, I have to cook the bacon. Where it's like, where you're like, well, no, the bacon's going to take you at least 15 minutes minimum, and the eggs take like two minutes. And then you just, you just hit play on your computer, and all of a sudden we're doing a podcast about Lauren Koscielny. Um, so, you know, you bastard. All right, so. Uh, yeah, I think we should uh, so, wrap this up. Yeah, before. we should wrap it up on Andy's up past his bedtime. It's, it's, uh, well, he has been on since yesterday, so. It's true. He did podcast yesterday, uh, a secret podcast. So um, get over it. So, so <laughs> when oh, no, does the pops? When does the popsicast start? We're not discussing that in public right now. Oh, okay. Owen and I have secrets. Mm-hmm. All right, Jared. Uh, it's a beautiful shirt you're wearing. As as we get ready to say goodbye, are we? Uh, are we? Who are we supporting there? Is that is that Ted Lasso? Yeah, it's the. I mean, I heard this was a podcast about our favorite AFC. I just assumed we were talking Greyhounds. So I wish you would have given me a heads up. I could have matched. Do you have? I have, I have the T-shirt. Nice, love it. My favorite squad. They might get promoted tonight. I haven't watched yet. Um, I think it's. Wait, I think the spoilers Friday. are already out there. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So uh, and and Owen, um, which of those cows do I get to eat? Both. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's. Um, I've said that now twice. Once, once was 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 just now. The other was at Owen's daughter's bat mitzvah. The, uh, look, man. One thing I will say is I know <laughs> I know some dodgy spots in London, and if you want to eat a cow, um, in certain contexts, fifty quid will get the job done. We'll get well, you there. Let's not let's not bring my personal life into this. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So uh, so a couple. Gooners versus cancer. Uh, final three weeks of Gooners versus cancer. We're at, we're at eighteen thousand dollars raised, and then some. We're trying to get to twenty five thousand. Thank you to Andy, Owen, and Jared for all the help that you've done behind the scenes and 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 in front of the scenes on that. Um, and uh, we're just really making a push in these final three weeks. It ends on October thirty first, um, and uh, and and so let's get those donations in. If you haven't heard about it, go to GoonersVCancer.com. You can win some great shit uh, and help to, to support a very serious cause that is in complete opposition to the seriousness level of this podcast. Um, Andy, is this is this going to be a thing? Are we going to see you regularly? Who's, who's going to pick up the slack while I'm like passed out on my floor? And Dude, you guys keep saying that, but I've been on for City. I've been on for I was on for everything except for Brighton, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Just don't let me podcast with that um, Mexican, and we're all good. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, we have a signed waiver from him that it's okay to say that. Or wait, is he Guatemalan? Yes, the answer depends is yes. on the week. <laughs> it depends on the week. 
All, all right. we know is that he grew up with a donkey because he told us that. He, he did. He, he literally showed us pictures of that. So, uh, yeah. so you know, don't it's don't it's take that out of context. So, uh, so He's yeah. Sort of jump ship now that uh, Newcastle thing because Santiago Munez was Mexican, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is, who is that person? You never saw Goal, the movie Goal? <sighs> No, I saw uh, Victory is my football movie. Oh no, you got you got to watch the movie Goal about Newcastle United. It is fantastically awful. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those like movies that you're like, this is awful, but you really enjoy yourself <laughs> through the whole thing. And that's it's, kind it's, of like our podcast. Our, that's our podcast philosophy. Then they make a second one where the player who's Mexican gets sold to Real Spoilers, Madrid. Spoilers, Andy. Spoilers. And is it called Michael, another goal? Michael it Brace goal two. Gold tooth. A brace? It's called brace. All right. This has been a Gooners podcast. Uh, next, <laughs> time we see thing. You, next time we see you, I'll be in London and I will be acting a fool. So uh, we'll figure out when that's going to be. Until next time, come on, you Gooners. <laughs>